is your spaghetti policy here? Hard work, steely resolve, and sure grittiness. It starts with an attitude. We need swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your hosts, TJ, Zach, and Raj. Hey there. Hey, hey, hey. Today we got the weekend preview. Looking at the games going this weekend, trying to get you guys the win. Uh, we also got the mailbag tonight. Got a few questions in there. If you guys want to find us, we're on Twitter at FHF Hockey. We're in the Fantasy Hockey Discord. Let's get the bad vibes out of the way. Jeez. And there's really not too many bad vibes. So, like, we got that going for us. It's it's a short one. Justin Schultz, he left the game on Tuesday. He didn't return. Still day-to-day. Same thing for Alex Martinez, except he left Monday's game. Supposedly, it was linked to an earlier lower body injury that he had suffered earlier in the year, and it's been kind of lingering. So, he's day-to-day at the moment. Rasmus Sandin, he is out with illness. Didn't play on Tuesday. And then the big fish. Kel McCarr was announced after morning skate this morning that he would not be playing in the game tonight. They're currently winning 3-0, but uh, Kel McCarr not playing against the Flames. Devontae's took that top power play tonight. And he also got an assist. As it goes, so it goes. That is a lot of minutes. A lot of minutes. Take a look at uh, McCarr's like, last 10 games and see why he might be a little tired. Like... The dude's played over 30 minutes, three games in a row, 27 minutes every other night, like rightfully so. But this happens every year, right? Hasn't he been injured every year? He's kind of a Latang in a, in a, in a way. Yeah. All right. I'm looking at Josh Norris. Just came back, played his first game today. Um, played 19, 14, five minutes of power play time on ice. And that's still, that's not even good enough for top power play time. That's only 40% of their power play time. Played 521. Two shots, a block, two penalty minutes, no points, but he's back. He's centering Debrinkat and Giroux on the second line. So Josh Norris officially back. There was a lot of points to be had, too. I mean, Brady Kachuk had a friggin' four point night. Shabbat had three points. That was a big game. Timmy Stooch just keeps on going, too. He's good. All right. uh, Dipping into the mailbag. Mailbag. We got a guy from our Discord. Hits us up on Twitter sometimes, too. This one came in on Discord. Bluto, uh, who would you roster in net for Edmonton, or would you move on from both if it's a shared net with bad defense? Other goalies are Kemper and Copley. The free agency pool is scarce. Next best goalie is Lukanen. Uh, Wins are 2.5. Saves are 0.14. Goals allowed are negative 1. Shutouts are 5 points. 0.14 for save. That's weird. (laughs) <laughs> anyway random you know. yeah random all right so Stu skinner just had a baby his wife just had a baby so he's he's not playing right now campbell's kind of the hot hand as it stands i think what i would do if um you're dead set on riding three especially with copley kind of being um i i don't have my faith isn't cemented in Phoenix Copley right now because there's quick there's still Peterson down in the the AHL and I just I haven't 
come around to trust Phoenix Copley as like a a staple there. You know what I mean? So for me, if I'm riding three, which I would, uh, I'd probably go Campbell at this point between the two. I'm way more into Campbell now. He's what four games in a row. His uh, save percentage in the last, you know, since coming back is is excellent. It feels like he's been underperforming and is due to overperform, whereas Copley's been overperforming is due to go to the other direction. So, I out of those choices, I take Campbell. But good lord, stressful having to rely on Edmonton goalies in any way. I'd say, or Ukapakalukanen. Which I mean, if you're afraid of a shared net, Buffalo's got three goalies to to share. So yeah. I mean, UPL is is not the answer, especially if you're afraid of a fifty fifty. This thirty three thirty three thirty three thing they got going on in Buffalo is worse. So who do you pick, Zach Skinner, Campbell? I mean, I guess I take Campbell. I'm also a big fan of if it is that light out there. I, I feel like you could still maybe you know daily stream some guys like i love doing it it's it's one of my personal favorite things to do philip gustafson is he's on a he's on another level right now there's a lot of goalies that are kind of at this point streaking that you could definitely and they're not worth you know what i mean they're not worth it to own them all together so they're available you know what i mean like gustafson gustafson is a great one widely available and if he's playing i'm willing to pick him up all right, so it sounds like two for Campbell, one for take your luck, streaming that goalie spot out. 86, the waffle. He's got a question here. In very good shape in my league, and I'm starting to make moves looking forward to the trade deadline and playoffs. How many roster spots are ideal to keep open for streamers moving forward towards the end of the season? Uh, I've always been a big proponent of two, even if you got four acquisitions, if you got seven, if you got whatever. I like to have two. Uh, spots that I'm moving out, spots that I'm not attached to. I make one week-long pick, then spot start the other spot. Well, he makes it seem like he's pretty well off. So I think at this rate, if you're really stocking up for the playoffs and everything like that, I think you can probably go down to one, to be honest with you. If you're going to be picking up guys that you are planning to use later on, and maybe the win this week doesn't matter all that much, I'm down to I'm down to do even just one and really stock that team up with the guys that you want to start out playoffs. Maybe take a flyer on somebody that could be a long term hold, but don't get attached. Um, and then you could still have the option of two, or if they work out, then you're just down to one. I think two is always the goal, uh, but especially if you're in good shape and not a huge amount of time till the playoffs, it's more important to obviously make sure you get in. Uh, but then make sure you're you're set up for the playoffs. And if that means maybe you don't stream anyone for two weeks because you've got the ideal roster for the for the playoffs, then then so be it. But yeah, I think if you try to rely on one streamer spot and then that guy works out and gets hot, then you're just you know you're looking for somebody else to drop, which is fine. But I think at the moment you don't have a streamer spot. Shit happens. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, the most important thing is being prepared for the playoffs, if that's what matters. If you're struggling to make the playoffs, make the playoffs and do whatever you got to do. But one thing I definitely would advise with every single thing we say, really, is, like, you still two's a good idea. I think two's the goal, but you have to do what makes sense in your situation. Don't just, like, 
sacrifice just so that you have two spots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's saying go out and cut somebody important just to get a streamer spot here. So uh, be smart about it. But um, I like to have two. All right. Next question. This one is a uh, it's a big question with few words. What's up with Falk? Um, yeah. I mean, he, I, I'm just taking a quick look over his last 10 games. He's got a 13% IPP. And uh, that is going to be a big part of it. He's 0% shooting. And um, yeah, I mean, everything kind of trickles down from there. It's just the puck is not finding him. And he's not finding the puck. Uh, the guys like Callie Rosen have five points. Colton Pareko have four. And Justin Falk's only got two in his last 10. I mean, that's a cold streak. <laughs> sure, it's a cold streak. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a cold streak. And he's he's chugging power play time. Like, um, He's getting a big, big share of it. It's just, I don't know what to tell you. It's, but at the same time, like, okay, so he's, you know, he's a half point per game player. You know, he's to 22 points in 45 games. That's what he is for his entire career. Like over, over the span of a season, whatever that span is, he is roughly a half point per game player. This is what Justin Falk is. He's going to have those times where, yeah, he's scoring, you know, six points in five games, but he's also going to have this. And at the end of the day, he's going to be a half point per game player. So if you expected more than this from what he has done for the other, you know, 13 years of his career, if you expected something different, then I don't know what to tell you. I, I honestly, I still consider Falk like a streamer. I know he's 82% rostered and is kept in most leagues, obviously, but I I would expect this from him. The nice thing with him is, you know, zero points, but he had six blocks last game or, you know, games with four hits and three blocks and three shots a lot of the time. So if you're in a categories league, you can kind of maybe weather the storm of literally one point in 10 games yeah uh but if you're in a points league he should be long gone yeah no i'm glad you said that because at first i was like no justin falk is not a streamer but then you come in with like yeah in points leagues going back to what zach's saying he's he's not like one of those point producing offensive juggernauts he is a perif guy and if you're in a cats league i think he's got his place and he's gonna have those ups and downs and right now we're in the middle of a down and it's going to be highlighted by that IPP in those last 10 games, which is just abysmal. It's like a quarter of what it should be. So right now he's two points in his last 10 games. You know, if you're saying a quarter, I, I feel like eight points in 10 games is probably a bit much. So maybe a third. Like, I, I feel like six points in 10 games is good uh, to surpassing expectations even for Justin Falk because, again, he is a half point per game uh, player. I feel like last year, what did he have, a 51-point season? Uh, that might have been the anomaly. Uh, 51-point pace. So, yeah, I feel like, I mean, that, that was a career year for him, points per game-wise. Uh, after that, it was a 49-point. I feel like that was <laughs> that was the fucking Paul year that he had Jeff Skinner. But, um, yeah, 49-point <laughs> pace was his best season prior to that. And he is getting a good share well, of the power no, play time. Well, last and, season was well, probably hold on now, his hold on. best. Well, that's, what I, that's exactly what I was saying. Last season was his best. And it's over 50 you know, point pace. The difference is that St. Louis last year and St. Louis this year are two very, very different teams and things are just not clicking. And maybe Ryan O'Reilly, um, you know, being on and off the shelf is, is playing into it a little bit. But I'm looking at a St. Louis team that's kind of 
right now bottom of the standings or a lot further down than where they even should be uh, in their conference. They're sixth. They're behind Nashville, which is Colorado's behind Nashville. So I don't know if that's saying that Nashville is having a good year or uh, Colorado's having a bad one, but St. Louis is barely above 500. So they're, they're a weird team right now. And um, I feel like a lot of people are suffering. Jordan Cairo, obviously doing his own thing. And, um, you know, there's some bright spots there, but I don't expect Justin Falk to be a bright spot, to be honest. Like, if we're in a points league, he is a streamer. Like, love the perifs, though, in a, in a bangers league. But The good news is that all the numbers are saying that he's in a slump that's not his fault right now. So, you know, it should bounce back. Um, certainly better than two points in 10 games. But, uh, you know, not much higher than five points in 10 games kind of expectations. Another goalie question from Jezeliona8. I remember he told me how to pronounce this one time, and it was like offensively Italian. So I, just, I was just going with Jezeliona, but I know that's wrong. Um, Who would you rather own, Talbot or Bobrovsky? Ew. Uh, <laughs> I am inclined to say Bobrovsky here, and it's mainly because of the team. Now, I understand that the Panthers, through the first part of this year, haven't been great. But Barkov is turning it around, and they are starting to turn it around in general. They're, you know, uh, three-plus points a game. Uh, That, you know, hasn't happened in the past very much as far as earlier in the season, but they are now. So they're turning it on now, and I like Bobrovsky moving forward. Now, if you look at their season numbers, you know, quality start percentage, Talbot got save percentage, Talbot got goal against average, Talbot got. And I understand that. But it's the team around him that I'm also taking Bobrovsky for uh, because you want those wins. Yeah, I think there's more upside as a team, like he said, and there doesn't seem to be an even split anymore. Bobrovsky's playing all the games. And you know what? He was over 900 for three games in a row. Wow. Almost like a professional goalie. (laughs) (laughs) He's been playing much better. Like Zach is saying, the, the team's playing much better. I'd have to go with Bob Roski, but these, I guess these are why people are asking these questions because both goalie questions have been pretty gross, to be honest. No, it's a good question. It really is. Cause I mean, the, you look at the, you, if I just read you off the numbers, you would pick Cam Talbot and you might still pick Cam Talbot. I just would lean against, you know, the latter. Bobrovsky just played both halves of a back to back. Yeah. Against Toronto and Buffalo who can score. Yeah, if uh, if you're in a volume league, the the answer is easy. It's Bobrovsky. If you're in a stats league, um, quality league, maybe Talbot could have an edge. But like right now is a really tilted time to have this question because Bobrovsky is is having himself a stretch. In the last six games, he's in this dummy league that I created. Um, he's the fourth best goalie behind Sor- Soros, Montembo, and Vanacek uh, because goalies are weird. Um, but yeah, he's I mean he's doing good things. Um, and Martin Jones, that's <laughs> that's your freaking top five, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you needed a zero G um, advertisement whatsoever, your top five in the last two weeks is Soros, Montembo, Vanacek, Bobrovsky, and Martin Jones. So yeah, it's um, for me, it's easy Bobrovsky. I wish I knew if it was quality or quantity that what you were after, but I think both cases, I would probably still lean Bobrovsky, unless of course, like your goalie stats are all quality like if you're just looking at save percentage goals allowed and maybe like shutouts those are your three stats 
then I would probably pick Talbot. But if you're like, if saves is even, even close, like saves and wins and save percentage, it's Bobrovsky easy. If saves are in it, it probably still tilted Bob's. So for me, it's Bob's. Blaze H2H would love to hear your thoughts on where you rank Dunn and Adam Larson rest of season. He's thinking of moving Barry for them. He's in what looks like a Cats League goals, assists, power play points, plus minus shots, hits, and blocks. So pretty standard Cats League here. What do you guys think? Is is Barry the move? I'm fine with moving Barry. I, I love getting Dunn. I'm remembering back to our playoff episodes and Dunn and Seattle had a pretty bad schedule in most of the clumps of of playoff weeks and and sets and things like that and edmonton had one so i but but to your point all barry does is goals assist power play points yeah whereas dunn is like doing points Points. and getting a bit of the periphery here so he does everything if i'm gonna make a move for one it's probably gonna be done unless you're really really hurting for for periphery but Moving somebody like Barry, you're handicapping yourself at power play points to it. I would probably go for Dunn just because I want to keep, want to soften the blow of the offense and also add periphery at the same time. So for, if I'm going to move one, it's going to be done for Dunn. And uh, I, yeah, I think that's a pretty even killed move. Uh, just be cautious of how many games and off nights you might be losing in your playoffs. Go over to Frozen Tools on Dopper Hockey and plug your playoff weeks into the schedule planner check that out yeah you're you're right that one's going to depend on on what you need larson is has never played this way offensively before like he's been getting some points uh he's a he's a banger what was it you were saying about seattle and their shooting percentage it's the highest in history of any team ever. So, <laughs> and the only team that's ever had a shooting percentage higher was Toronto um, in a half season. So, it, it's over a forty-two game pace. This is the highest shooting percentage any team in the history of the NHL has ever had, which seems a little odd. Absolutely has to regress. Like I think at this point, fucking Vince Dunn for Norris, baby. Dude, it's like the way he's been playing. He's in the last in the last month. Vince Dunn is the Norris, but I just cannot see him going from the Vince Dunn that he's been for what five or six years to what he's doing now. But I think in either league, all things being equal, I would probably rather have either of those other guys over Barry for what I usually want defensemen for, which is the peripherals. There's, there's a lot more stability in somebody that does a little bit of everything than somebody that I, I know Edmonton is like a powerhouse, right? But if somebody just relies on the offense of a team, there's a lot more volatility there than somebody like Dunn, who, you know, even if they go through a scoring slump, he's not potting zeros on you every night. Whereas Barry would be like Barry would move from top of the rankings to bottom of the rankings a lot quicker than Dunn. Like Dunn feels like somebody that's like mid all the time. He's just kind of hanging out in the middle, uh, has his weeks where he moves up, but he never really finds himself at the bottom. So, you know, do you want boom or bust or do you want somebody that's a little more reliable? So with that, uh, being a, a bit more conservative, I like Dunn. Uh, he would be the guy I would move for with the caveat of checking the schedule and seeing who works better for you. Moving on, Tim A., one of our guys. Uh, sophomore Jinx, what are your thoughts? Cider and Cylinder come to mind. Um, I wonder if he's just asking our opinion on whether or not the sophomore slump is 
real. Um, you know, you look at Lucas Raymond had a slow start. Uh, what about Boldy? You know, so far when teams do that early investment, I feel like the teams have done well with the approach. He goes on to say, yeah, I mean, without going into, I think there's like four or five players inside this question without deep diving every single one of them. Like, what are your thoughts on the sophomore slump here? I forget who it was, but last year someone did a big, big deep dive on that exact thing and, and showed pretty definitively that the sophomore slump is just a load of shit. But what is a thing is how excited people get about rookies and how good they want them to be. That's something I've been always wary of is, I mean, the last few years have been great proof of it where you shouldn't expect that anyone is going to be McDavid or Matthews. And it seems like every year, exciting young rookies are expected to be these amazing uh, fantasy players and everyone is let down for the first couple of years. So when someone does have a, a outlier hot rookie season, it's the second year always seems like a bust because you think people think that's going to keep progressing and progressing. But it's really rare you get a Kaprasov, you know, where he comes in, blows up the league, and keeps blowing it up. Yeah, except you have Matt Boldy on the same team, still kicking names and taking ass. <laughs> I love me some Matt Boldy. Yeah, no, he is. He is. He's gonna. He's gonna. He's gonna beat his thirty-nine points from last year for sure. For sure, he's almost there now. I feel like Lucas Raymond is the perfect example, and I want to give my thoughts on the sophomore slump. Here is Lucas Raymond comes in his first year. He puts up a seven, uh, fifty-seven points in eighty-two games, and the whole offseason and what everybody's looking at is wow, Lucas Raymond put up a good first year. I can't wait to see him build on it. Nobody, and I mean nobody, thinks to themselves, okay, maybe he's just a 57-point player. No, they think that's the first step, and he's just getting his momentum. So they look at the 57 points, and they're like, okay, what's he going to do in his second season? It's got to be like 75, right? Because he, as a rookie, he put up 57. Nobody in their right mind thinks he's going to put up another 57 points, which, funny enough, is exactly his pace right now. 57 point pace he is a 0.7 points per game player last year and this year and this year feels disappointing because i think everybody's expectations were that he was gonna build on last year and everybody is gonna agree when you say build on last year you mean more points you mean more goals you mean more shots this that and the other thing and and maybe he's just this guy and i'm not saying that there isn't a ceiling that we haven't seen it's just it's two years so you know, when you think about a slump, it's just that after the first year, if you put up a good year, somebody like Cider, uh, who obviously doesn't fit exactly this because he is having a bit of a down year. But when you see a 50 point pace from Cider, you're like, OK, I bet he can hit fucking 60 next year because, you know, he's already got one year under his belt, not taking into account that there's a new coach there and Sillinger. We're looking <laughs> I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets, that kind of answers the question in and of itself. Boldy, I'm not sure what to make of that one. I think it's just a slump because he was super red hot. But, you know, when I'm looking at Raymond, it's it's a 57-point pace this year and 57 points last year. It just, you expect a lot more. I think you're, that's exactly the thing is it's, it seems like a slump, but like I said, like uh, I didn't personally do the numbers, but you look, we just did these numbers and he's on the exact same pace. And uh, Iserman, 
as a GM, has made a concerted effort for him and uh, Cider to work on their defense. And uh, if you look at it, Raymond's defense this year is better. Um, and he's on the exact same point pace and everyone's freaking out that he's terrible. It's, I bet he ends up with more points than last year. And, you know, come next season, everyone still calls this a disappointment. So that's, I think most of the time you're disappointed. It's just, it's your own fault. Last question here is from Jeff Huntley from Twitter. He says he needs a D man that covers multiple perifs better than ghost Clifton Lindell. Wah from the LA Kings, Mayfield, Pedersen from Pittsburgh, Ferraro, Chernak. Uh, thoughts, points are a bonus. The first guy that came to mind is Marty Phelps, who bangs up a storm. Uh, he's He's got all the riffs for you, like a goddamn Pantera album. This guy's like Jeremy Lazan, <laughs> uh, Scott Mayfield, Ben Sherrod, and we were talking about Luke Shen before we went on air, who his periphery is just out the ass. He's playing with Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes doesn't do any of it, so he's he's hitting and blocking for two people uh, on that pairing. So I think there's a lot of guys that are low-end uh, ownership that you could go out and, and pick up that's going to give you those um, periphery better than those guys. The problem is when, if you drop a guy like Ghost, uh, you're losing the power play points in the offense. So if all you need is periphery, you can look at guys like Favari, Jeremy Lazon, Scott Mayfield, Ben Sherratt, Luke Shen, tons of, uh, I mean, just go to your Yahoo waiver wire and sort by hits and blocks and find somebody that's available and um, make your pick there. If you're looking for points as a bonus, I mean, Fev sometimes is on the top pairing. Um, it hasn't been that way in a long time. I think he's on the third pairing right now, but. His minutes are, are pretty consistent since coming back. They're not huge minutes for, for a D. They're 17 to 20 in there. But he had a goal and an assist, four hits and five blocks last night. So if you want a, an endorsement for Fevs, check out his last couple games, nine hits the game before that. Keandre Miller. He's got a lot of points right now. And uh, we might have we missed the boat on the points. The same thing could be said for Ryan Graves, who's got six points in his last seven. Um, and is somehow plus 11. Actually, the Devils are good, so I shouldn't even say that. But like, usually he's known for his periphery, but right now he's doing a ton of points. Um, and the same goes for Miller. So those two guys would be uh, guys to look at as well. All right. How about the uh, weekend preview? What do you say? Okay. So, I mean, I think we'll start out with the best schedules. Uh, there's quite a few teams that have three games in four days. All of those days are Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. Every team that plays these three games in four days has that schedule. Um, that is Arizona, Chicago, the LA Kings, Philadelphia, Vegas, and Winnipeg. Winnipeg has just had, like, what? This is the third or fourth week where they have one of the best schedules or the only best schedule on the weekend. It's 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 crazy. Um, but I mean, obviously we're going to be talking about our same guys there. So I, I say we start at the top here. What are you thinking for Arizona? I don't give a shit about Arizona. That's me personally. They don't have a single player inside the top 100 right now. So it's, it's tough. <clears throat> no, nah, they had, uh, you know, I think their season kind of goes the way of Schmaltz. Uh, 
halfway through the season, big hot streak to just remind everyone he knows how to play and then tank. And they're, <clears throat> everybody's awful right now. There's no one who's who's getting points. <laughs> I mean, Barrett Hayton is their leading scorer with five points in the last couple weeks in eight games. Lost Kraus. Um, and they're playing. He's got five points Kraus too. is great, but I mean, these guys are these guys are all kind of like desperation streamers, and in, in my opinion, I'd try to find out. And they're they're playing Washington, Dallas, and Vegas, so a good chance of of not many goals uh, being scored. So I. And then there's Clayton Keller, who has one goal and one assist in you know the past eight games, and a whole wa- and a whole whopping two blocks where he accidentally got in front of two pucks. Tell me how he got 19 penalty minutes. How did he get 19 penalty minutes? Did he get in a fight? <laughs> he must have punched a ref in the face. Jesus. All right. So you said Washington, Dallas, and Vegas. Is that right? Those are their opponents. Uh, Dallas has the second best goals against per game. Uh, the Capitals have the 10th, and Vegas has the 12th. So you are you're punching up. I think if you're in Arizona, you are curating whatever you need to stream for. And if you're looking for hits or blocks, Lawson Krause is your guy. He's been scoring at the same time nick ritchie uh 28 hits in his last eight games so there's guys hitting and christian fisher is hitting up a storm too as is jack McBain with 35 hits in his last eight games and 13 minutes of time on ice the hits per 60 are out the ass there if you have to go to arizona hopefully it's just for hits yeah yeah luckily there's lots of teams like zach was saying there's quite a few teams who have the same uh same schedules yeah, there's so much to look at out there. I mean, I don't think you gotta get that nuts. And we are gonna we're gonna really ramp this party up, and we're gonna talk about Chicago. What do you say? <laughs> I mean, there's people from Chicago. I'd rather have Chicago players. Yeah, there's a couple. Okay, so uh, Chicago is at Philadelphia on Thursday, at St. Louis on Saturday, and then play the LA Kings at home on Sunday. Mm, I don't know. I mean, they've got. Philly, actually all those teams, you could get shut out or they could score a touchdown on you, right? Like Philly has been very that way. St. Louis with Bennington, you never know what the hell is going to happen there. And LA is just confuses the hell out of me. But I mean, Seth Jones, 53%. He's been crushing it. Nine points in six games, three to four shots on goal for the last couple of weeks. Uh, but he's he's fairly available. And he's doing it. He's doing it right now. And their opponents, like you said, are better. So if you need a D, I would check for him for sure. Yeah, I feel like the points options here are a little bit better. Seth Jones is doing stuff. Max Domi at tri-eligible, you know, with not having the best schedule in terms of like off nights or anything like that with Arizona, Chicago, everybody kind of having that same Thursday, Saturday, Sunday bit. Uh, Max Domi gives you a little more flexibility with that tri-eligibility. He's got five points in his last five. That's not something I think I'd be saying about anybody in Chicago, let alone Seth Jones. Uh, what is that? It's eight, eight points in his last five, and you said nine points in his last six. So, like, he's doing stuff, and that's, like, not characteristic of things that happen there. Um, they're mixing up their lines a little bit. Tyler Johnson, Ty Joe is on the top line right now with Domi and Patrick Kane, who is back. I know uh, Domi has... Um, Domi's been one of probably the... 
the biggest hits this year, just as far as like good streamers. He's had that trilogy and he's, he, he's been really consistent since, uh, f for months, actually, even without when Kane's been out, he's still hovering around point per game, three shots a game. Um, I feel like he struggled in Montreal when he got kind of treated as like a third liner because his dad's supposed to be super tough, right? And if he, I thought Max, just because of the perception, I thought he was some somewhat rugged hitter, but he gets no peripherals really. Mm -mm. He's a, he's a straight points guy, and I think I think he wants to screw up that face. <laughs> he's so pretty, so pretty. Those eyebrows? No, he takes a lot of time. I think. Taylor Radish is getting points too. Uh, he's 1% rostered. Like there's some Hail Marys to be had here. Uh, but that's exactly what they are is you are literally crossing your fingers as hard as you can, counting on points from Chicago. So hopefully no, nobody is that desperate. I think Seth Jones and Max Domi are probably the best bets here. And now we're starting to get somewhere because now that we're past Chicago oh, yeah. and we're past Arizona, we can talk about the LA Kings. And, you know, for once, it's actually the LA Kings are playing pretty decent and they don't have, you know, the worst schedule in the world. Um, so they are looking at Dallas, which is going to be a tough game. That's at least a home game. And then they're back to back away, Nashville and Chicago on Saturday, Sunday. Now I don't trust Nashville, even though UC Saros is playing incredibly well right now, but that's just because he is very good. Nashville sucks and you can't make me believe anything otherwise. And then obviously we know exactly what Chicago is. Who do you like here from uh, from from LA? Is it just that this our regular same old guys? I feel like that's kind of where we're heading. Pretty much, yeah. I'd say. I mean, you got. Uh, I think you wrote down here. Kempe's a just go check. He's only seventy percent. He's always solid. The one guy who was doing well, uh, who is now day to day, is Velarde. Mm. Uh, apparently he missed practice today and is questionable for tomorrow, but he's been, uh, he's been doing better. Um, six points, six shots in his last five games. He's been playing great as of late three goals, six assists in his last 10. I mean, but we've seen this before from him where, you know, he'll go on these streaks. So we know that that happens, but the only thing with Gabe Velarde is, you know, the time on ice and the shots on goal are still super suspect to me. I, I want to see him shooting more, but we know that he's a streaky player. So if he's streaking, that's when you pick him up, but don't be afraid to drop him. Um, still for me, it's, it's, it is, and it always will be Phil Dino. You know what I mean? Like he, he has a, he has a magic mailbox to my heart. <laughs> magic 32% owned um, point. You know, he's point per game for the last 13 games. Um, and then he, you know, you're getting a block per game. You're getting a hit per game. I think Phil Dano is, is, uh, you know, he's, he's the best pickup on the team in my opinion, but that's a, uh, he's good at everything. He's good at everything. Yeah, he's good. And they score compared to the other teams we've been talking about. They, they get goals. <laughs> the team gets goals and that always gives you a better chance to get points. It's always Kevin Fiala. Yeah, well, Kevin Fiala is, what, 90-something percent owned, I'm sure. Yeah. So, you know, one out of every 25 leagues he's available. <laughs> exactly. Just go check. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, uh, I would throw, 
I would throw Dursey into the ring as well. He's down to 37%. He's been playing okay again. Um, it's just a solid defenseman, right? Always a chance points, blocks. I'm going to throw out a gut feeling here, but I think Alex Iafalo is... Whoa, what? Yeah. Whoa. I, you better back off. That's... <laughs> that's I'm fighting words. I don't know what it is. I just... I couldn't let us stop talking about the LA Kings without bringing up Alex Iafalo, who is second line with your guy, Phil Deno, and uh, Victor Arvidsson, who's equally as good a, a pickup at this point. But I think I'll, something about Iafalo right now. Like, I know he's left wing only, and that's going to be tough with two heavy nights on this weekend. But uh, Sunday, you know, if he's playing Sunday and he's out there, something, I don't know what it is. His name stuck out. Shots. He's shooting shots. a lot. Yeah, that's, I think that's what it is. 19 shots, only one goal. Tom and Ice is really good. He's getting second power play time. Like, you know, it just has the feeling of like, this is the week where the numbers correct themselves. One goal on 19 shots, that doesn't add up. All right. Next up, we have Philly. So we had talked about, you know, at the beginning of the week, how they had five five games this week. Three of them are all packed into the weekend. You got Chicago at home on Thursday and then at Detroit Saturday, back at home playing Winnipeg on Sunday. Kevin Hayes, that one hit. Raj, I know you love tears. I know you love tears. So so we went tears in Philadelphia. I figured it would be perfect. I think you're you're you know, your top tier. That's your Scott Lawton, your Kevin Hayes. They're 33% owned, 31% owned. And then your tier two is all, you know, your less than 10% owned guys. They're Morgan Frost, Joel Frisbee, Owen Tippett. Uh, but here I am super looking at Scott Lawton, always. And I uh, keep on going with it. And Kevin Hayes. I, I, I like them both. Hattrick Hayes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They're they're great. And no, I'm not opposed to tears when it's like this. This is tears. There's two guys who are 30% and some good guys who are under 10. Those are defined tears, and I'll 100% go with that. Lawton. Yeah, Lawton, Lawton. Hit, Hayes hit last game. Um, there were some good hits. I think Frost got a goal maybe. Yeah, I think it was uh, through the legs looking fancy, Morgan Frost. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, that's sick he goal. That's yep. right. <laughs> I just want to see like John Tortorella's reaction to that because he doesn't like that fancy shit. But if you're going to score goals, yeah, he scored a goal and probably benched him. He was probably upset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was probably pissed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they've had the schedule for uh, for the last ten days, and they're coming through. Wade Allison, how about that? Five points in seven games. He's hitting up a storm. What do you guys think? He's zero percent rostered. So if we're talking a tier three. I mean, nobody's looking at Allison. I think uh, if you're in a super deep league, he's out there. I think you can get a piece of Philly at some point. All right. <laughs> I all don't right. know it is. All right. Vegas. What do you say? Shall we? Oh, you know what? How about uh, Samuel Erson in Philadelphia? Because they got a back-to-back this week, and, and Erson's looked pretty solid. Yeah. he's He's doing it, so... All right, so next up, as we as we said, we do have Vegas. And I actually think Vegas has the best schedule of the weekend as far as taking into account who they play. Uh, you're looking at the Red Wings on Thursday. Then they play the Caps on Saturday and away at yeah, Arizona. That Sunday game Sunday. is pretty. And it's because they're playing Arizona yep. on Sunday. And they're just going to score a ton of goals. It's going to be great. 
Um, and it's pretty much a, it's pretty much a home game for them anyway. Kessel's on the top line. What do you think? I'm going to dive right in there with some Phil Kessel. It's so weird in in Vegas with all the injuries and everything that's been going on. Like the the leading scoring line on Vegas in the last three games is Colasar, Wa, and Carrier, or Roy. I think it's Wa uh, and Carrier. That's the leading scoring line, and that should not be the leading scoring line on Vegas. Uh, as far as I think what the team's plan is. But uh, there's also this guy, um, Paul Cotter. Yeah. Yeah, he saw a little bit of top line time. And then he got moved down to the f- yeah, fourth line, I think he's there. He's leading the team in power play time. He's uh, in the last week. Uh, it's 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 all messed up there. Um, but they have Cotter uh, and Colasar are two forwards who are averaging over five hits a game lately. So if you're looking for bangs, that's oh, a yeah, really Paul interesting Cotter, couple choices. Yeah, and Colasar too. Yeah. He sure does. Yeah, like Ugh. five a game type of. <laughs> yeah. type they do of be banging over there. I, I, I'm, I'm incensed that you guys didn't talk about like when I said Phil Kessel, you guys didn't say anything. What's up with that? He's on the top line. What do you say? Yes. Yeah. F- four points at five games, Phil yeah, Kessel. That's right. Yeah. I think it's. I think we're allowed to talk about Phil Kessel again. Given the schedule. I think, uh, I mean, he's definitely a points league ad. Um, he's, he's, he's hit once before, uh, once yeah, or twice. Yeah. For good old time's sake. If you're looking for a week to, or a time to pick him up, I think this is probably. Yeah. With those opponents, like the time, yeah. <laughs> the weekend. I like it. Yeah. That's all I got there. I'm picking up Phil Kessel for my old country buffet <laughs> fantasy league. CC's pizza, yeah. You get pork chops, everything. Some fucking candied yams, and all on the same plate. And then just pouring gravy on top of everything. The sweet, the savory, everything. It's great. Chando's Thieves nowhere to be found right now. One point in his last five. Mm. All right, so you got Winnipeg here. They're playing, uh, they're just on a straight-up road trip, and they have been for this entire week. But they are playing at Toronto on Thursday, at Ottawa, at Philly on sunday yep (laughs) i don't know we've talked about winnipeg a few times lately right well yeah they've had they've had the best schedule for like every weekend this month so i mean we've gone over all these guys multiple times um again obviously i i think it's it's blake wheeler is is your number one here he's just over 50 percent owned now when we talked about him last, he was 49%. He is up to 53 now. What is your Perfetti. policy here? I, I think we still love Cole Perfetti. Try eligible, 23% owned, um, and and still Perfettiing it up. I mean, if we're talking about 52%, Blake Wheeler, Neil Pionk is worth a, worth a mention here. At 52% as well on Yahoo. Uh, three points, good for bangs, shoots, stuff. Well, Perfetti, you're getting points. You're you're getting no perifs. I I'll, I will say yeah. that much. But you are getting you're getting a, you're a decent amount of points right now. He's playing very well. And the trial eligibility is super sweet. Yeah, I think he's getting some um, some power play time as well. So and he's he's more way more fun to add than Wheeler in my books. I'd rather have if both guys have the same same stats at the end of the night. I'd feel better about having Perfetti. Uh, that's for sure. 
Anybody else you're looking at here? Yeah, there's bangs. There's bangs everywhere in Winnipeg. Yeah, it seems like there's lots of bangs available yeah. for, for these days, these this weekend in particular. Yep. Dylan, Dylan, and uh, Brendan Dylan. So there's Brendan Dylan, Dylan DeMello, and Dylan Sandberg. So if you need bangs, find your Dylans and get there. Pick a Dylan. Yep. All right. So that that does it for the three games in four days, teams. Uh, the only other team that I really think has anything going on is Pittsburgh here. They play Friday, Sunday, and they're the only team that plays on both of those off nights. Uh, they are at home against Ottawa on Friday and then at New Jersey on Sunday. Jason Zucker. Points and bangs. That's my pick. Yeah, I, I was looking back at that because I was I know I asked you that last uh last episode, like how weird is this? And everything else about Zucker is exactly the same. His shooting percentage is exactly the same as his career average. His shots on goal is exactly the same as his average. And then his hits are just four X. Yep. He decided to hit three times a game this year. For whatever reason, Brian Burke, <laughs> yeah, Brian Burke, right? So I don't know, but yeah, he's great, and now all of a sudden, uh, fantastic in peripherals leagues. Yep, there, there's that. That's it, um, though. Ty Smith, semi risky pick, but Latang is out for a few more days. He'll be out for probably the rest of this week. Petrie's out, and Smith is playing all the minutes and playing the power play. Uh, shooting over three times a game and getting a couple of hits. So given the off nights, um, I think it's probably the last two nights you're going to own him because you'll probably drop him right away. But I think he's a decent pick if you need um, a good all-round D with chance of power play points. Keep an eye on uh, Jeff Petrie, too, who traveled with the team, who could come back. Moving on, prep for next week. I mean, Cal Yarncroke, what you were saying before, Zach, I think that still rings true. Toronto's got that perfect schedule. Uh, yeah, you're looking at Cal Yarncroke. Timothy Liljegren actually has been piling up some points lately, so he's worth a look. And the, the bangs are like, they're there. Uh, three hits a game, uh, block a game. He's shooting close to twice a game. But the points is uh, what's really sticking out. Like we we were talking about Morgan Riley and that uh, power play spot, but I guess they are still riding five forwards on that power play. So could be a I don't know I don't know what to make of Morgan Riley at this point. <clears throat> Michael Bunting is sixty five percent rostered, so one out of every three leagues you can check him out and uh, take him for a spin. Ride him into next week if you can. This weekend where you don't need to make moves because either you're losing by a ton or you're winning by a ton. Uh, those are five teams that you want to look at. Toronto, number one, and then Columbus, Dallas, the New York Islanders, and the New York Rangers. Keandre Miller. We're going to be talking about him on fucking Sunday. Zach, you're going to Miami, so you're not going to be here for that episode. But, uh, yep, we will. I'll make sure, personally, I'll make it a point to talk about Keandre Miller. All right, ladies and gents, that is it for the weekend preview. If you guys got any uh, mailbag questions that didn't make it on the show, hit us up on Twitter at FHF Hockey or in the Fantasy Hockey Discord. I know there were a couple late ones that got in there that we didn't have time for, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll 
bring it up on Sunday or something or, uh, you know, just DM us or whatever. But anyway, love yous. Love you. Love yous.